0: Hey everybody, this is Sam, your girl with the curls, or that girl with the curls as it were, uh, if I'm going to follow my own moniker, which I came up with and everything, so (laughs) there we go. Uh, this episode is episode 17 with uh, Alan Kissler and it's not really a formal interview or anything. Uh, the reason why is that uh, JP, who is uh, my sometimes co-host or just friend who shows up from time to time, who you've heard in a few other episodes previously, uh, we had originally interviewed him back when we were at the Nerd. Uh, it was around the time of the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who, and we just talked Doctor Who for most of that episode. Um, so, yeah, you can go and check that one out. Uh, definitely, Alan will show up again at some point uh i was also involved at geek girl con uh with him on a couple of panels that we did with susan eisenberg who will also be uh guesting uh on the podcast at some point in the future uh she doesn't know this yet but um because i'm saying it out loud it will happen Uh, it's the only way i can get things to happen for myself anyway so uh just letting you know that a little background ahead of time uh going into this one uh we do kind of mention it towards the end but i think it's kind of worth knowing going in and um just before you start the episode uh once again always go to the, uh, not always but you know when you have the time please go to uh themaniacalgeek.com as well as you can follow me at darling underscore sammy on twitter and uh, without further ado here's episode 17 with alan kistler Alan, how much time do you have to give? Uh, What time is it
1: now? Let's see here. I've got about like an uh, an hour and fifteen before I should start moving.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, I I don't do any like formal intros anymore, so we're just gonna we'll just start talking and see where this goes. Okay. (laughs) How have you been since uh, uh, I last saw you? (laughs) Good, good.
1: Just been running around uh, California a little bit.
0: Yeah, how is Cali? It was
1: good. It's it's now nice and a little bit cooler with a lovely breeze.
0: <laughs> it's like Alan with the weather reports. Uh yeah, it's just raining over here, so <laughs> Jason has Hi Alan. Um
2: okay. Um don't know who that was. Yeah. Um
1: yeah, Florida's sorry about fine.
2: that. That was just a friend of mine. <laughs> so there you go. Um, Florida's fine. It's Florida. It's Florida. <laughs> it has a, it has its moments. But we're well, going to legalize marijuana today, so that's an interesting so a interesting <laughs> note. Excellent.
0: That's always good. No, uh, at least we don't uh, we don't have to worry about the you know, the flash uh having a new uh, episode today, so uh it could just be nice and free and talk and whatnot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I was I was so excited to see what would happen next and then someone told me, Oh yeah, there's no episode tonight. Like, what? No.
0: no. It's like you're four episodes in. You don't cut to you don't go on a one week break. What the hell? Come on, see, man. Heat
2: festive. wave. I will say, um I will say that it's really exciting exceptionally good for a show that's only four episodes in. Yeah. Like, no, most television doesn't get it this right, this out of the gate. And the fact that it's sustained it for three consecutive episodes is, is fairly significant.
0: For yeah. Four. So. They want to peak early. <laughs> well, you,
2: well, you know, every show has its sort of high moments and low moments, but I think what's interesting about The Flash is that Whoever, whoever got sat around at the table and said, "Okay, we're going to take Ollie and and we're going to use him to parlay into these other shows and worlds. um, Also was smart enough to say, and by the way, when we do that, if we're going to use the Flash, we can't half ass it. (laughs) Right. Like we can't call it Starling City and we can't. (laughs) Like just randomly pick villains and, you know, modify them in a way that suits our purpose. Um, We're going to have to really do this right. And if we do do something like introduce a completely new character to the history, um, we're going to make them so compelling and relevant, much like they did with Diggle, that Mm -hmm. you would never know he was not part of the original lore. Um,
1: Yeah. Well, also you've got Jeff Johns there,
2: right? Though it doesn't feel like a John story.
1: Well, he's been Uh, he's been co-writing every episode and uh, producing it. Like he's very much one of the showrunners.
0: Well, and he was one of his strongest books was the Flash. I mean he he really loved the you know loves continues to love. Yeah. Uh, the Flash and like his stories with Wally were 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 really good. Were some of the some of the best, not all of them, but <laughs> well, and
2: you see him in the way we're sort of telegraphing the 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 overarching plot, mm-hmm. but I don't see him in as much because I've never thought that Johns was really great at interpersonal dialogue per se. That that's not necessarily his where I've I've I find his strength to be, mm-hmm. but there's really good interpersonal dialogue in this show. And I think, I think that is, um, I think that's really compelling.
0: Yeah. No. And uh, I, yeah, I I like that. uh, The tone is so different as well. Like uh, Grant, Grant Grant Gustin's Barry is just so happy. (laughs) It's so nice to see someone who's happy on a, on a superhero show for once
2: happy
0: huh
1: you think he's happy
0: well for the most Absolutely. part he, he's
1: a, he's he a great en- character who's like he likes being who he is
0: yeah he yeah. enjoys being the flash like i mean the the show starts essentially with him becoming the flash it's it it's one of the things i think that they learned from arrow is it's like okay let's not take three seasons to really get him to this point let's and and yeah, they're still skirting the whole calling him the Flash thing, which it's just like, come on, guys, just just do it, you know. <laughs> but uh, at the very least, you know, he is the Flash, and there's no build up to the Flash.
2: I really right. like that he's Barry. Like he's not Wally at all. This, he would never pass as Wally. He's mm-hmm. very much Barry Allen in that. Yeah, he uses humor and and his friends to sort of cover the fact that he's really very serious all the time.
0: hmm. Well, I don't, I don't think he's serious all the time. I think, in, in some ways, the Flash show has benefited somewhat from the new 52 reboot, uh, in that Barry is given more of a personality. <laughs> it's like, at least in the comics, he was the goody two shoes. Um,. You know, all all the time, kind of like the very embodiment of the Silver Age. But I think, in a lot of ways, the Flash has benefited in, you know, from the New Fifty Two to an extent, in that the Flash show has benefited from the comics, if that makes sense.
2: <laughs> For now, and I didn't mean to cut you off earlier.
1: No, fine. it's fine. Oh no, yeah. no, uh, I I just, I mean, the thing with with Barry, like, yeah, he he like Hal and like other Silver Age characters uh, was sort of made to be more of a, a simplistic character. And then people have had problems dealing with him later about how much do you change him? How much do you not? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's sort of been, there've been a couple of writers that have gotten him very well. Uh, like Mark Waite did a great job of having Barry be this moral upstanding guy, but also a person mm-hmm. um, because Mark Waid also makes Superman interesting and, and he's, <laughs> on the same level of, of morality as Barry. And uh, there's also Christopher, Christopher Priest uh, when he did Justice League and he did a couple flashbacks to Barry. He had a nice way of having Barry be the scientist, but also someone who would be glib in the face of danger. Um, yeah. Because that was how he dealt. He, he could be funny without being the funny guy, in the same way that Han Solo can be funny but you wouldn't call him. He's the funny guy of the crew. No, it's just mm-hmm. like a lot of us. He can spout off a joke to to deal with. Well, this is dumb, um, or or just the you weird know, situation he winds up in.
0: You mean Hans is just not going to put on a clown nose and be like, "Hey guys, come on." Yeah. You know,
2: I, I've I we've had this conversation his before in the past. Sam and I have, and we might have even touched on this the last time we talked with you, Alan, where there. There's, it's hard for us to sometimes quantify what's missing from comic books and, in turn, comic book-related material. Um, we, you know, we like that it's, it it tends to try to to be more real, and we like the fact that it it gets really into the character and the human part of the story. But there's always been something missing, and I think what the Flash and Flash in general, all the Flash books regardless of the iteration have always when they're really good gotten right is that there's chivalry in the story that and that word is sort of an interesting word but i i genuinely think that flash is a chivalrous character and and that (laughs) above and beyond anything else sort of defines his approach to problem solving and it's it's hard to have chivalry and to write chivalry and it be compelling post, you know, 1990s comic books when we moved away from that. And I think that's what's missing from other characters like Superman and, and um, characters that historically have been. One of the reasons I've struggled with certain New 52 stories is that they, they, it's not enough to just be someone who has morals, but it's about that chivalrous, you know, knight's code almost that they have that they consistently live by, and that seems to be less important than it once
1: was. Well, it's just a, I mean, lots of them have codes or some kind of morality, like 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 Deathstroke has his own code of morality, but there's also, you know, just being nice. Basically, and and also that you have multiple moods and you have more than one aspect to your character. Uh, you know, Barry can get very serious and can get really ticked off, and then the next moment or the next scene can be, you know, joking about his day with his friends and mm-hmm. and the fact that he has friends in this show is really fun. It's not yeah. soldiers recruited to his crusade like Team Arrow. It's pals, and we're kind of helping him out, and they're all sort of learning from each other.
0: And I like that in the, the the last episode with Captain Cold, which Wentworth Miller actually did a really good job. He did an amazing job. I was so impressed with Captain Cold.
2: Very yeah, cool. When,
0: they, when he's wearing the, the coat and the goggles and everything, you're like, that's right. Like, that, that's how you do – I mean, it's it's so Silver Age, but it worked yeah. so well.
1: Like, <laughs> well, also, by that point, we already liked him.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, we, we had already gotten through our first impression. We already liked him. Of course he's being called Captain Cold, because at that point we saw how cold-hearted he was, how icy he was. Every defeat or thing that didn't go in his favor is just information he's processing. That's just data I'm going to use for my next time, and next mm-hmm. time I'll win because I know that. And, and he's very militaristic in his attitude. He's very no-nonsense. So it actually sort of... And and the, just the reaction. I love... That's another thing I dig about this show. After you got out of the pilot, which, like many pilots, has to over-explain everything just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I- once you get out of there, there's there are things that are left unsaid and things mm-hmm. that are clear, but they don't add that extra over-the-top clarity that a lot of TV will do. Uh, like, when, when Barry talks about how Joe sounds like a father to him, Joe doesn't sit down and say, I love you too, Barry, and hug him. Like, he just sits down and has pizza with him. And, yeah. and they just eat pizza in silence and share a smile. And that was lovely. And likewise, I love that when when Snart hears his name, Captain Cold... He just has this smile of "I kind of like that," mm-hmm. and and he doesn't turn around and say, "Where did that name come from?" or "Is that what I am now?" or "Yes, cold. I like it." You know, he just mm-hmm. we just see the reaction of "Yeah, I kind of like that. I kind of mm-hmm. dig that name. That's great."
0: Like there's there's actual subtlety going on here in a in a way that the other shows have have lacked. <laughs> well, it,
1: this is sort of uh, a great counterpoint to so many of my problems with Gotham because like without going too far into Gotham, just a perfect example is, is one if of the you most go
0: too far into Gotham. Well, I want to go too far into Gotham. Well, like
1: the, the perfect example is uh, in, in not the most recent episode, but the previous episode, uh, the goat, the spirit of the goat episode. Oh yeah. Uh, Nigma, three times people mention he loves riddles or puzzles And then you see him drinking from a coffee mug decorated by a green question mark. (laughs) And, and I'm just sitting there thinking that's not an Easter egg. All right. That's shouting to the audience. If you haven't gotten it from the remarks we made in previous episodes here, who he's going to be here is who, who he's supposed to be blah, 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 blah. Whereas flash will have Easter eggs because you, he passes by a truck that says Gombe cleaners and Paul Gombe is the supervillain Taylor in central city in the comics. And mm-hmm. when he walks out of the movie theater with Iris and, and there's the two movies listed blue devil and <laughs> the Rita Farr story. Yeah. But, well, that's fantastic. If, if any listeners don't know, Rita Farr is the actress who became Elastigirl, the doom patrol and blue devil was an actor slash special effects guy who then Actually became the mm-hmm. character he was portraying, the Blue Devil, and mm-hmm. and those movies would exist in Barry's universe. That that is fantastic. Uh yeah. And and Doctor Ertl got mentioned during the Captain Cold episode, the scientist who brought Martian Manhunter to Earth. I mean, I, that's an Easter egg.
2: Because right.
1: if you're in on the joke, you laugh at it, but you don't need it, and it's not beating you over the head either.
0: Yeah, yeah. With Gotham is is the thing that frustrates frustrates me the most about Gotham is how much hand holding is going on to the degree where it's just like we seriously do not trust the audience to get anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the uh I mean with the most recent episode that happened, there are just things that characters are doing that but... <laughs> what was that? A friend of
1: mine's messing with me. Go ahead. Sorry for the interruption. Uh, Continue. Is that okay? <laughs> My
2: problem with Gotham is that you you, you can't – I hate the fact that there's a piece of it that I love when I hate everything else around it. Penguin? Penguin I, is, is yeah. okay. Actually, I really like Gordon and Bullock's relationship. Um, and I, if, when they're on the screen, the show is compelling to me, but I, I'll tell you, like, I have to leave the room every time Montoya shows up. Oh
0: like, God, I, they've I, Renee. I, I have
2: to fast forward. So it's, it's this very mixed <laughs> emotional state that I'm in when I'm watching it, because there are moments when I'm, when it's just Gordon and Bullock and I'm enjoying their interplay and I I, I genuinely like how they're portrayed by both actors. And then it goes to any other thing in the show. And I'm like, this is painful to get through. I'm just waiting for them to come back on screen.
1: I want to like Gordon Bullock more, but the, the fact is for me, Bullock is so inconsistent as a character because in one episode, he's actually a decent detective. He's just worn down by the corruption of Gotham. And in another episode, he doesn't know what the word altruism means. And, in two episodes, he has no problem with the idea of, of that he might have to execute Gordon. It's mm-hmm. like, I don't have a handle on, like, are you corrupt, or are you worn down, or what? Because that seems to change every other episode. And then Gordon just seems to have one mood throughout the show.
0: It's like, I'm the only decent man in Gotham. Like, did you get that, guy? Yeah, did you get it? I well,
1: trust a 10-year-old child more than the woman I love with, with I information. Know, that,
0: that's... That bugs the hell out of me that he's always going to Wayne manner. Like, like that—that would—that would actually be grounds for people to be suspecting him for certain things. I mean, it's just kind of like, um, and and I and I get what you're saying with the Bullock and um and Gord relationship. It, I do They're, like Donald Lowe. Yeah, no,
1: he plays it beautifully. This is not this yeah. is not a diss on him. He is no, great no, no, no. as Bullock. It's it's that the episodes are very inconsistent. They're also inconsistent with Gotham itself about how much is is corruption and all. We keep being told it's corrupt, but of our four main cop characters, only one of them is corrupt. Montoya and Alan and Gordon are not corrupt cops.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, just with the most recent episode with, um, you know, uh, spoilers for anyone listening to this, it'll probably go out in about a week or so after the fact anyway. Um, but with... You know, Harvey uh, finding out that, you know, Gordon didn't kill Penguin. And then being all like, I'm going to kill you, blah, blah, blah. And then we don't see him for pretty much the rest of the episode up until he just randomly shows up at Gordon's penthouse uh, suite. And is just like, look, I've had some drinks and this floozy is with me. I'm going to help you out no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it was like, you know what would have fixed this is if there had been a scene prior where Gordon found Harvey in the bar or something like that. Yeah, you and need to build a bridge. Him. Yeah, you needed something that actually spurred Harvey to have the change of heart in his drunken state and stick with it, because all I kept expecting was for him to actually turn on him in, Maro- in um, uh, Falcone's house. Like, I didn't buy that this is an actual change that Harvey would have made on his own, unless Gordon had been there to give him, like, the... Like, I know you hate me, blah, 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 but this is your chance to be a good man again, or something Or,
1: or like. if you had him revisited his partner,
0: who mm-hmm. apparently
1: knew Bullock when he had been more idealistic, right? and yeah. they could have talked about that. I mean, you have this great setup to use, and then you don't use it. And yeah. it's just, I mean, that's, that's so true of so much of the show, though. there's There's so much that's just there on a shallow level, or they mm-hmm. keep wanting you just to buy into these very, very fast changes, and developments. I mean, we had an episode where apparently fish Mooney can within a week teach someone how to be an operatic singer Uh, while they're sitting down.
0: Oh yeah. She's she's
1: not even standing. And it's just like, well, I guess fish Mooney is the greatest teacher ever because apparently it worked. (laughs) Uh,
0: You know, she has a TARDIS.
1: Yeah. And I keep seeing people online like, well, this is a comic book reality. No F you. First of all, this is not a comic book. It is a TV show. It's adapted from a comic book, but it is a TV show. And that's a different medium to, you know, they, they are inconsistent with the world they're establishing, whether they're trying to be like grim and gritty and realistic as the, the first episode, as ridiculous as it, as it was, seemed yeah. like it was going for. And then you have balloon man and people <sighs> learning opera in a week. And it's like, no, this is an inconsistency in storytelling. And oh. it's, The comic book reality, that explains how people get powers or why certain people will think to put on costumes. It doesn't explain away how long it takes a normal person to learn opera
0: or any other skill, (laughs) or
1: that if you're, you're trying to get a job at a nightclub and then the nightclub owner tells you you can have it if you fight this other person to the death, why wouldn't you just say, how about I don't need the job that bad? Yeah. And just leave. What was the circumstance and life of these two women that they're like, yeah, that makes sense. We have to fight for the death to get a job at a nightclub.
0: Of course. I mean, that's the only sensible thing to do. Yeah. And,
1: and she's all like, I promise you respect and power. I've never seen you leave the club up until that point. Like, mm-hmm. I, I have no sense of power from most of these mobsters until finally the last two episodes are starting to get a little bit of it. But again, it's it's like with being told that the police department is corrupt. We haven't been seeing evidence of that. We've just we just keep being told these monsters have a lot of power.
2: Now there have been tidbits. So uh, ultimately, I think three episodes in, my feeling about about Gotham is that the reason we're going to stop watching it is because at the end of the day, it does nothing for the Batman franchise. Right? It it doesn't it doesn't benefit Batman in any way, shape or form. We're not better fans or more interested in him as a result of this show. But what it does do, I think, and the reason why I do continue to watch it is, as Alan mentioned this before, is it does make, it does add to certain character stories. I think obviously Penguin has benefited
1: immensely
2: from the show, right? And
0: yeah. I, if it was like a penguin show, I would actually watch that. No, if every
1: episode was penguin, homoerotic psychopath, I would love this show.
0: <laughs> and if it was
1: like penguin and Gordon, oh, um, then because their relationship, I rather like.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and just the way that Robin Lloyd, uh, Robin Lord Taylor uh, talks like that, that cadence that they've given him or, or if it's him yeah. putting that, that is so specific. And that's what makes him interesting. Like uh, everything from the walk to his 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 way of talking, like informs the character in a way that other people are not doing. Well,
1: it's it's this bizarre mixture of naivete and and innocence and sarcasm.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is, and having Carol Kane for your mother is just like icing on the cake. Yeah, know. I was just like,
1: yes, yes, I want the bad relationship with mom from the comics, yes is perfect. No, Penguin, Penguin is the one shining gem in this show mm-hmm. uh, for me. Like There there are other qualities that could be good if presented better. Uh, like yeah. I said, I like Donald Logue. I think he's treated inconsistently. I like several of the cast members. I just think they're not treated well. Um,
0: it would have been nice if, because uh, I, I remember telling you this at a, a Geek Girl Con, um, mm-hmm. like, the the premise of Gotham is one that just isn't doesn't work within this you know uh, the whole idea of Gordon before Batman all the villains before Batman it's like all the stuff before Batman and yet we're still getting all the stuff you know uh, without Batman being the actual root of it um, like like the first season should have led up to should have led up to the death of the Wayne
1: yeah I've said that too it yeah we should have seen the contrast of what Gotham was before the Waynes were killed and the descent into darkness following their deaths. Right. But even yeah. the first episode before Bullock goes to find the, the Wayne murders, he's holding a newspaper that literally says like biggest crime wave in Gotham ever.
0: <laughs>
1: so, okay, this city's already damned. Um, yeah.
0: And, and and also would have set up like Bruce's relationship with his parents with with yeah. Alfred, which I mean I like some of those scenes between Sean Pertwee and and I don't know what the the little boy the boy's name who's playing Bruce, but um uh, I like some of those scenes like there's the sword fighting bit that they did in a previous episode right. that was a really well done. Um, uh, scene that would have been great for building up like the relationship between Alfred and, and Bruce prior to um, um, the deaths of the Waynes, uh, but uh, but all they do is just like, hey, guess what? He's going to be Batman. In case you did not know this, Bruce Wayne will be Batman. <laughs> well, and
2: it all feels very superficial, right? They it is. It, it's they didn't there's so much hit. one of the things that has been really well done i'd say in the last 15 years of batman comics is that whether even if the venue for which it was delivered was not always great there's been a lot of effort to flesh out the history of gotham right it's not just that gotham is a product of batman's existence It's that Batman is a product of Gotham's existence. And so there's been a lot of fleshing out of how, you know, the four families play into it and how every character is interrelated. And it feels very superficial in the sense that they took, okay, well, let's take the two biggest crime families mentioned in the book. Let's make it about them. And we'll just throw the Wayne name out there anytime we want to add some sort of third party.
1: But even then, they're not really developing the crime families. Right. And it's just, well, these two are mobsters and they don't like each other. Well, no crap. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's all very superficial. They're not delving into any real characterization or development. Like if, if, if this were a show about the rising level of mob control in The Descent of Gotham, that would be terribly interesting. But then we've also got – those aren't explored very well or they're explored in bizarre ways where instead of seeing the the inner wars between mobsters, we're seeing Fish Mooney making employees fight to the death or the the whole like, will Gordon go to jail for a murder he didn't commit? Oh, wait, no. Literally, just as we arrested him, the dude showed up alive. Okay, never mind. We've
0: solved it. <laughs> yeah, there
1: goes that suspense. Like it's it's just constantly this shallow level stuff, and yeah, uh, it's a, it's a shame. Also, you're shooting yourself in the foot if you wanted to do. You know, if, if this were five years before Batman shows up, you could at least play with a lot more because you're building up to a city that needs Batman. Instead, mm-hmm. Bruce needs about twelve years before he can be Batman. So either either do your own show where it is about the mob, and, and you can in, create all these other gangsters from scratch or use, like, forgotten Batman villains that you can really mm-hmm. play with. But instead, it's a show without Batman yet keeps telling us Batman will be here later.
0: Eventually, he's coming. Yeah. He's, you know, getting that carton of cigarettes and uh, the thing of milk or something like that. Uh, and, yeah, like, that's that's the it's so disappointing because I mean, even if they had done a show that was about like Bruce's training to become Batman, like that would have been fascinating, you know, to me at least, cause you could, you could have your young, handsome Bruce Wayne or whatever, which brings the girls in obviously, because that's all we care about. um, And, and show him like going to like the exotic locales and learning how to, to eventually be Batman, you know, with your goal in sight being, you know, the, dons the cape and cowl eventually but this is about how he gets all these philosophies and these techniques and all that kind of stuff like that would have been a far more interesting show than what i'm being given right now
2: well and actually the one of the few things that gotham and flash have in common is that they go to demonstrate how little warner brothers sometimes thinks these things through they know they don't want competing Actors for a single character in the spotlight at the same time they knew they wanted to do with more with Batman in the films so how well how do we play how do we make money on the bathroom the batman mythos the <laughs> sorry, the Batman Mythos while still um while still you know not having this competing character right. And so it just feels like, well, why don't we do this and we'll see how it works. And that's really the the amount of thought that went into it. And now they, they have the opposite problem on the flash side where they've created this really compelling flat version of Barry that I think is not only very interesting to watch, but he's just the Barry we've, we want to see, right? I mean, he's, genuinely a character that if i could go back and say okay i'm going to take the comic book and this is what i want to see on screen this would be very close to what i'd want to see and so it's going to be hard for them to do anything with him in the film um world because you would be com- constantly competing
0: yeah i well, how much- Darker, they're going to make that costume in the Zack Snyder movie. At the
1: same time, you know, they they did the same thing with Superman Returns coming out when Smallville was still going on. And they didn't have a problem with, you know, people just saw them as separate entities.
2: Yeah, Yeah, but Smallville had been around for so long and...
1: Right, but the Flash movie is not coming out until like seven years from now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's probably, that's true, but... Uh, not only had Flash been or had Smallville been around for a long time at, at that point, but we'd have we'd had far more TV Superman than we'd had film Superman at that point. So we were sort of. Vested in seeing him on TV and Flash, we really don't have. Much to go on other than a short lived 1990s sh- series, which I think I was the only person who truly enjoyed when it was airing, so um, you know it's I, I do think it will it will cause some now who's to say that flash will be on the air long enough for it to matter, but
0: well one hopes um, <laughs> if supernatural can go ten seasons, I'm pretty sure they're gonna melt the as much as they can out of arrow and flash you know for all its worth true. Yeah, well, I'm just saying, you know, you, you go with what works. And and the thing about Arrow and the Flash is, and what Flash has been learning from the team on Arrow is that, you know, you can evolve and you can change and everything too. So, I mean, Ollie's been, like, almost three different types of heroes in the last three seasons. So, and it's worked. I mean, for the, for the most part, we've gone with it. We've stuck with it. Like, uh, uh, and I think the show has only benefited.
2: Um, yeah, I think the thing about, Arrow and what I like because we've talked about and Ben McKenzie sometimes suffers from the same problem that um, Stephen, Amell. Stephen Amell does, which is they can be single-faced, right, single-emotioned <laughs> at times. But I think what we've, what I enjoy about Arrow is that it doesn't always make sense the progression they go with but there's progression. It is consistent that, okay, something is going to happen and we're not just going to make it traumatic for a moment and then move on, which was Mm -hmm. one of the few, one of the, the, the issues historically with Smallville was that something would happen and then we would just glaze over it. Like it never happened. And then five seasons later, we'd bring it up again because it was convenient. Right. Yeah. Um, (laughs) where with arrow, it, There is a consistent, okay, so this happened and I need to learn from it, and this happened and I need to learn from it, and the characters are progressing, and really with the exception of Laurel's character, who still irritates the fire out of me, everyone's progression has made sense and has been believable in a way that is compelling. Even Diggle's most recent sort of change.
0: Yeah, with the baby and everything. Um, what, what do you think about Arrow right now, Alan? <laughs> I'm
1: enjoying it. I think it's a really fun progression of, of what's been happening. Uh, I think season two, they really took notes about what didn't work in season one, and they they became a much more solid show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's going to some really interesting directions with the characters. Uh, that
0: makes them wildcat. <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. And finding ways to emulate... The comic book story, but keep it their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, with wildcat training, uh, Dinah slash Laurel, and yeah,
0: I, I'm just really hoping they don't lead it to a romance because that's just going to be weird. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, but uh, I, I think He's they've so been doing young. a great job with it. And I, the only the only annoyance factor I have is that you know, you never want to see your character kind of falling into the same stakes, but that can be part of drama anyway. Yeah. Uh, and, and Oliver is doing that with a few things right now. And also, while I think he's fantastic in his role, I keep thinking that Brandon Routh should really be calling himself Ted Cord instead of uh, Ray Palmer. Ray.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's fair. I like that. Well,
0: it's weird because they had mentioned Ray and Jean in a previous episode, in a flashback, mm-hmm. and and made it sound like Ollie and Laurel and Ray and Jean were like were all friends. So I I think it's just kind of like them hoping no one noticed except for you know me. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and that happens. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's it's like any show. Like I, I mean, I watched Stargate for the longest time, and you know they would they would make references to things where it's just like, yeah, you guys did that like five seasons ago. Do you not realize that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I I do like Brandon Routh and uh, he's, oh, he's he's great va- yeah he's great I mean he wasn't terrible in Superman Returns um, but I also remember him on One Life to Live because I watched soap operas with my mom at one point <laughs> uh, but he's gotten better as an actor I think and uh, and this show is is really proving it I
1: think I think you know my my criticisms with Superman Returns has has to do with storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, more than anything else so i i don't really blame any cast member for anything and i was fine with him in superman returns i just think that the story of what superman was supposed to do was not necessarily the best uh yeah so no i'm, I'm happy to see him on another dc comic show i think it's really fun and i like the little touches they keep giving like he's got technology hidden in in his belt buckle i think that's really cute uh i'm <laughs> I'm, ex- I'm very curious to see what happens there. And, and again, it's a show that it learned from its own mistakes and now Flash has the benefit of learning from its mistakes. Flash has the benefit of learning from Smallville and Arrow. Yeah. So that right. it really starts out the gate as a very solid show.
0: Exactly. And and it has fun with its premise as well. Like I, sure. I do I, – I, I like we like we talked about before. I I really like how they they are using speed. Yeah. Like uh, the different you know because now we have the technology that we previously you know really didn't with the '90s show that can show off what you can do with a guy who's moving faster than anyone can even see.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and and I know in the comics they've kind of touched on it. Like, oh, his brain is going. And, and they, they touched on it a little bit in, like, the last episode with, with Cold and everything, where he's playing three games at once and, and whatnot.
1: And that's also a great callback to the comics themselves. Because the, even mm-hmm. the original Flash, Jay Garrick, was really the first superhero of the golden age of comics to that you would see using his powers recreationally and, mm-hmm. and just for fun. Like, in, in his second issue... He was playing tennis with himself. And and I think the third issue, uh, he would put his girlfriend Joan into a taxi and then race the taxi to where they were going to have dinner. And and so you see Barry doing games, you know, just to just to see how much he can do at once and everything. That's great.
0: Well, even when he's uh, showing Felicity what he can do. Yeah. Uh, and just like, yeah, you know, I took a picture of you and he comes back and his shoes are on fire. Like those are those are the little touches that I think that just make the character, you know, first of all more endearing and then just again, he's a guy with powers. Like anyone who gets superpowers, you know what they're going to do? Have some fun with it. Yeah. I
1: mean, the the first reaction he has when he truly realizes what's happened to him is he tries to run faster and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then says, "Awesome." And yeah, yeah, and on top of that, though, those little scenes are really helpful to remind the audience that, you know, super speed doesn't make you invincible, because that is the temptation for an audience to believe of, well, if he can move that fast, then he can take down everyone. And it's like, okay, he can move that fast, but he lost at chess.
0: Yeah, like he he can't always get there in time to stop the cold ray from you know yeah. getting to a person like I mean, he's uh, there's only so fast he can move
2: right he's fallible there should be some genuine opportunity for failure right that he mm-hmm. i think i think um like you said the fact that he wasn't fast enough to save someone watching someone die is critical to who Barry is like yeah. that genuinely impacts him he that would cause barry to question whether he would do it again that's that's critical to who he is and he is fallible and it's that fall fallibility that he understands about himself in a way that is why i think the flash character is always the one that we are okay we believe would sacrifice himself in a crisis event right mm-hmm. because he flash has always understood the underlying point that regardless have fun with it but know that at some point it's all going to catch up to you because we're not all perfect and we're not fallible and it's not a batman type situation where i'm gonna be skeptical of it or and it's not a superman situation where i'm just going to be blind to it and it's not a wonder woman um situation where i'm going to verbally deny it until I have to beat you to death. It is I'm going to acknowledge it, but I'm going to accept it and I'm going to enjoy every moment I have until I realize that it's caught up to me and I have to stop.
0: And I yeah, think it, that was
2: my problem with Flashpoint because that was so unberry like.
0: Oh, you mean changing the entire universe, so, which, you know, that to be fair that was not John's intentions. <laughs> like uh It'll be interesting to see in Convergence what happens. I'm taking bets on which Flash dies. So, uh, (laughs) yeah,
1: the the news about Convergence. I was just thinking, but I'm reading Multiversity already. (laughs) What? Why do I need this? And honestly, telling me like it's the son of Brainiac. Well, then it's not Brainiac, is it? I'm less interested.
0: Yeah, and and it's just like really, guys. In another event, like we just. You're in the middle of one right now, and it's going to end soon. And we all know how this, this goes. Like, the status quo really doesn't change. and like, Unless you're going to go back to the pre-52 universe, which, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to, um, at least with certain books. Because uh, I'm loving Batgirl and uh, Gotham Academy, even though they're only, like, one issue into these new teams and everything. No, it's, it's way fun. And, yeah, and, and that's what's, that's again, with DC, it's just like, guys, we can have fun with this stuff. Like, it's not, like, Batman works as a brooding character because it's Batman. Not all your heroes are Batman. Guess what? And and people like the fact that not all of them are Batman. Because yeah. we don't want to be depressed all the time. <laughs> I, rather,
1: I rather enjoyed in the latest issue of Multiversity that Grant Morrison basically set up an Earth that is, if... Uh, the, the retcons that started soon before Infinite Crisis never happened. So you've got Kyle Rayner is still Green Lantern, and he and Connor Hawk are like the old school guys, and you see all these 90s characters who kept on going, and I was like, this is fantastic. This is basically like if, if the 90s generation of DC had been allowed to keep on that track of getting older and passing on a legacy, this is what would have happened. It's, it's been really fun to see.
0: Like, somewhere Nightwing still has that high collar on. No, <laughs> that. <laughs> that disco suit is never going to go away. Nah. <laughs> um, well, and, and I, was, I was curious what you thought about the, Alan, what you thought about the, um, the major announcements that are, have come out of both DC and Marvel in terms of the movie universes that are now being formed? Um, are, are you excited about any of them? Or are you just kind of like, oh, okay, here we go. The <laughs> Warner
1: Brothers ones, I mean, it's tough to tell because several of those announcements are in the air of just like mm-hmm. this, at this time, we will do a Superman or Batman movie. <laughs> it's like, well, which one? What, what's, we're,
0: we're still thinking about what, it. What's the... <laughs>
1: Do you not have a plan? In which case, don't tell me. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's also little things such as having the Suicide Squad movie planned before Justice League. I think that's a huge mistake because the whole beauty of the Suicide Squad is always that you establish the villains first Mm -hmm. and then show, oh, my God, someone in the government was insane enough to put them on a team. Uh, Arrow did that. Smallville did that. These were all previously established enemies, and that's the fun of it. And here you're having them before we even meet superheroes. It's it's yeah, it, a bizarre decision to me.
0: It seems like you know, yeah. If you're going to set up Suicide Squad, which means Amanda Waller is setting up a team. You know, I would hope it's Amanda Waller, um, and I would hope that it's CCH Pounder playing her, but that's in my head. Yeah, um, It's in everybody's head, whoever watched the cartoons. So. <laughs> um, but you would, you would figure you save Suicide Squad for the very end, when you have your solo movies, you've established all of these villains, and then at the end of each one of them, Amanda Waller is just showing up like uh, Nick Fury going, all right we're recruiting them and in you know some little thing like that yeah. and then you've already built up your suicide squad movie at the end of all the justice league stuff it's like that's almost like a no brainer
1: yeah it's it's a bizarre but, decision to me and yeah. and then some of the other announcements you know while i am not surprised they would have a separate flash Uh, movie, especially if they're continuing the Snyder version of the universe, and they seem to be, because he and and David Goyer seem to be the guys in charge still, then obviously they're not people who would have any interest in continuing the atmosphere of Grant Gustin and such. So I get that they would do their own version of The Flash. But at the same time, yeah, I'm not terribly excited about, oh my god, I'm going to see him in live action in a movie when I'm enjoying the hell out of this TV show right now. Uh, Yeah, exactly. And cyborg I just thought there's no honestly I'd be much more excited about cyborg in a Teen Titans film than on in his solo film uh, Yeah.
0: I mean do you do you feel like that there's even enough of with Cy- cyborg to carry a movie I mean, I mean if we real- do a good story
1: it'll carry a movie that and, mm-hmm. and that's and that's on them and that'll be fine you know people argued a while back is there enough on on uh Captain America to carry a movie because they thought he was outdated and enough people thought he was a, a nerd or a dork. And and you could argue that at the time Iron Man came out, you know, he was almost a B list character, but the fact was no one outside of comics knew the name Tony Stark and Robert Downey Jr. was not back at stardom yet. Uh, he was, he made his comeback through Iron Man. Uh, so if you give a good story, you know, power to you, it's just an odd choice to me when there are so many other things that i I keep thinking would be more interesting to pursue. Uh, The Marvel stuff I'm excited about. At the same time, I do think more and more, especially with Flash and and Arrow doing what they're doing, that a lot of these characters actually work better in a TV format because superheroes are by nature serialized. These these are, are based on comics which build up stories through different adventures and arcs. Uh, I kind of think maybe for some of these characters, I don't know, you save the movie for the team up or the crossover and, Mm -hmm. and rock some of them out individually. That being said, I have absolutely no problem. And I'm actually very excited that captain Marvel and black Panther are getting movies. I think that's fantastic. I think it's fantastic. Dr. Strange is getting a movie. I do hope, I mean, is it confirmed The casting, or is it still just that's that's the strong rumor?
0: the The last article I ever I saw that was like verifiable basically said that he was they were like making the final talk or something. So I don't think it's all but confirmed yet. It's just
1: that's disappointing to me because it it seems such shallow, easy casting of like, well, he's popular and looks kind of like it if we put a Van Dyke on him. So yes, that's him. Not that he's a bad actor, but I. I thought on two levels, one, I just, I get a little, uh, I think it's a lost opportunity. If you keep hiring the same person to be the star of multiple franchises, there are more actors out there. And well, also, and yeah. I,
0: just be generic white dude.
1: I mean, yeah. And, and I, I've also said this seemed like a chance to go uh, for a person of color just because honestly, otherwise you just get, if you're doing an origin story, then you're doing yet another Marvel movie wherein a white guy who's a jerk becomes a hero, who may or yeah. may not still be a jerk.
0: Probably still a jerk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: so yeah, I mean the there are other other castings I would have I would have really liked to have seen and and I, and unlike say Black Panther, uh, Doctor Strange's heritage is not really part of the character. Black Panther is from an African nation that has never been successfully invaded by outsiders. So that's a huge part of the character. Uh, Mm -hmm. Dr. Stephen Strange is a rich guy from New York.
0: (laughs) He's a neurosurgeon. Like, like none of these things say he has to be white. Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I think there could have been a lot of plays to play there. Um,
0: Did you have a, a fan cast in your uh, for your Stephen Strange, if you were ever going to? Yeah, I wanted
1: Patterson Joseph.
0: Is that, Patterson sorry.
1: Joseph uh, is more known in the UK. He was the Marquis de Carabas in Neverwhere, uh, oh, okay. a character who is based loosely on Doctor Who. And <laughs> he his name often comes up when people are speculating who could be the new Doctor Who. He... Also, uh, actually, is in a couple of Doctor Who episodes. In, in Eccleston's last couple of episodes, he's a game contestant on Satellite 5. And he was I in like Sheckle as, as the, the Texan, whose name I forget. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just a marvelous actor and, and can really, he's a great character actor. Uh, so I think he would really do a lot of fun with that role. I think he would, especially if you put him in the Warren Ellis Doctor Strange gear, where the cloak basically became this long trench coat mm-hmm. and and the Eye of Agamotto sort of decorated a cravat. I, I think he could really play that beautifully. Uh, I think that's great. I also know a lot of people wanted, um, oh, I'm blanking on his name now, Oded Fair?
0: Yeah, I, he was my, like, my choice. Also,
1: would have been a fine choice. Um, someone suggested me to, the other day, the guy who played Saeed on Lost.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Would have
1: been a fine choice. Like, those are all really great actors who have a commanding presence, but also what was always fun to me about Stephen Strange and in the, in the better stories about him is he's kind of aware that he's sort of a weirdo to people. And mm-hmm. it's, it's one reason I like that he got along with Spider-Man often. They're both sort of the weirdos to these other superheroes. And uh, it's like Infinity, Infinity Gauntlet, which was probably my introduction to Doctor Strange. I hadn't read him in comics before then.
0: Yeah. In the first
1: issue of Infinity Gauntlet, you're visiting his home on Bleecker Street, of course, <laughs> in New York. And you're, you, you, the reader, walk into his home. He's levitating. While reading the newspaper about uh, an outbreak of this psychological mental illness, and it's just you know keeping up on on what's new in medicine, while having tea levitating, and in comes uh, Rintra, who's a green skinned minotaur, <laughs> who's just basically being his house guest for a while, and then soon after that, I saw that uh, Rintra goes out to see Shakespeare in the Park because Stephen has recommended. Shakespeare to him. I'm like, that's amazing. Like this, your house guest is a Minotaur. You're just, you know, levitation is just what you do to keep your mind active while you're reading the newspaper. Like there, there's a really fun Doctor Who kind of quality to this mixture of the mundane and, and the magical. Uh, and I,
0: that with uh with the marvel characters especially like they always seem to find ways to to make their powers like just it, it, they become so much a part of their lives where they're just like yeah like um i mean it's the fantastic four movies but there was there's a moment where Johnny is heating up the popcorn right like, you know with his hand like it, yeah it's a it's a subpar movie but i like the little touches and and that
1: was very much a stanley and jack Kirby thing to do mm-hmm. because You would see in one of, uh, I think it was issue 51 of Fantastic Four, uh, where the Thing, it's a very famous story now, where the Thing uh, is captured by someone who basically takes over his body. Mm -hmm. And there's a subplot of Johnny at the university and talking to a friend and just kind of hanging out. And at one point, someone recognizes him as he's trying to have... Coffee and just hang out, and he's he's sort of like, "Hey, aren't you the Human Torch? Like, do something exciting." Is like, dude, I'm I'm trying to have my Java here, and (laughs) he's like, "Come on, do something exciting." So he just flicks his thumb, like a cigarette lighter, and only the thumb is aflame. Mm -hmm. He's like, "There, satisfied." And it was just that was not something you saw in comics in the 1960s, and and it's just this little touch.
0: Yeah, and and it sometimes like I don't know. I mean, not all the time, but in in some of the movies, it just feels like they don't they don't take that into account. It's like these are people with lives. Yeah, you know, I mean, there were like moments in Man of Steel, uh, you know, when Clark's like watching the game right before Zod interjects. Right, like that's a human moment. Like let's let's stick with that for a little Having bit. Having like, a beer. Yeah. Like I like the fact that he's watching the game. Like he's just acting like a dude, because mm-hmm. um, that's what Clark would have, would do. Because he was raised in this household that probably watched football all the time. <laughs> yeah. Especially if uh, um, with, what's his name is your dad before he sacrifices himself in a tornado. That's um, I know, I know. It's it's just gonna be so notorious amongst geek circles, where it's just like, okay, you either liked that scene, or you hated that scene. Yeah. <laughs> Which side are you on, newbie? <laughs> um, yeah, and, and do you have a fan cast? I mean, other than Katie Sackhoff, like, let's just say, like, do you have a, an alternative casting for Captain Marvel?
1: Uh, I wouldn't object to Katie Sackhoff playing it, and I know she would play it well, but it's again, I... Maybe it's because I, I have a, a more of a theater background. I, I enjoy seeing people, once I've seen them in a certain role, I don't necessarily want to see them in that role again. I want to see other people play that kind of a role. So mm-hmm. since I've seen her be a military badass, I sort of feel like, well, I, I've done that now. Like, I want to see someone else be Carol. If she were cast, oh. that would be awesome, because we know she would do well. Uh, yeah. My initial casting was Charlize Theron, uh, I, I've had that for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. But someone brought up, I forget the actor's name, uh, but she plays Poussey on Orange is the New Black.
0: Oh, okay. And
1: and I thought, wow, like, you know, I hadn't thought of it because for some reason Carol is very strongly blonde in my head. But, mm-hmm. man, you know, if she were cast, that would be awesome. <laughs> Because because I love her in Orange Is the New Black, I think she could rock it.
0: Yeah, and it, it's 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 interesting how a lot of people are kind of saying like, look, we're we're really, I mean, some of us are get, are, we're just getting over the whole like they have to be this white person or look exactly like they do in the comics right. or anything, you know, like that. Like we're finally getting to that point uh, where we're just like, no, we just want the best actor, right? You know, like James Bond. Like I would love it. You know, if Idris Elba played James Bond. You know, and I'm not even a big Bond person. And and I'm just like, no, he would totally rock it. He just has to be suave and look good in a suit.
1: And it it would. And this is the thing. Like some people, when I've suggested race spending, um, they've said, oh, well, you're insulting because you're saying that there is no difference. Like, no, there would be a difference. There would be a difference. In, in the life experience, if James Bond were black, if Carol Danvers were black, there would be a difference. And an adaptation is going to make differences anyway. So that's a difference I wouldn't mind seeing explored. Uh, it's,
0: it, it's like the new Fantastic Four movie where they've, they've Johnny Storm is black now and right. Sue is the adopted sibling. It's like, okay. Yeah,
1: That as long as they treat each other as brother and sister... I don't mind that at all. If mm-hmm. the if the movie treated them as adopted siblings, but then also had a romantic triangle between Johnny and Reed and Sue, then I would have objection.
0: Yeah, that just made me shudder. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> like no, just even that you suggested yeah. it, I would get out of my head. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and. I mean it's an exciting time I guess to be to be a nerd with all of these movies coming out. Do you feel like we're going to get fatigue at all or Sure.
1: I honestly I I think that's sort of setting in already because it's you see this long list of movies and you see the dates and Yeah, I I got a little tired of like wow. <laughs>
0: I know on Twitter with the uh, the rollout of all the Marvel movies, people I mean, it was people were joking, but they're like, are they still announcing movies at this point?
1: <laughs> well, also I, I I was watching the the leaked teaser of Avengers Infinity War with my friend Trina, and we were listening to all the people, you know, you 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 have that montage. It's a very well done montage of scenes mm-hmm. from the Marvel movies so far, and then you have. Thano's wearing the gauntlet and everyone's screaming and then says here are the two dates like oh and everyone's screaming and we were both thinking okay but although yes I'm looking forward to the movie but mm-hmm. we knew this was happening and yeah
0: it, why are you getting that excited yeah, it's
1: so far away What's really like oh my god he has the gauntlet we know he's going to have the gauntlet We that's the point that's what we've been building to uh, we don't even know for sure if this is still what the gauntlet looks like. And even if this is what the gauntlet's going to look like, you're not really going to see it in action until, you know, five, six years from now. Yeah. So At
0: the end of part one and mo- more or less in part two. <laughs> yeah. So
1: I was just thinking, like, you know, cool, yes. Looking forward to it, yes. It's still a long way away. God knows what's going to happen between then and now. Yeah. And and I and I knew this was coming. This was not if we had no clue that they were going to do the Infinity Gauntlet or if we hadn't seen Thanos yet, okay, then I would have been like, "Oh my god." But <laughs> I don't. And I and I realize that sounds like a sourpuss to some people, but and it I don't I don't begrudge people who were screaming excited.
0: It's just mm-hmm. one of those
1: things that I personally don't quite get. Um, which is fine. I don't have to get everything.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, everyone's going to be happy or celebrate in their own way. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> some people just stare at pe- other people and go, like, what the hell? Like,
1: yeah, yeah, basically. Uh, just, like, again, I just, more and more, I think I would be more excited if they announced four new Marvel TV shows or four new DC TV shows and that they were being done in the same way that Flash and Arrow were being done. If Mm-hmm. You know, if tomorrow they said like, "Hey, next week Blue Devil." I'm not even that attached to Blue Devil, like he's this weird character who's sort of a precursor to Hellboy. But if yeah. they said next year we're doing Blue Devil, I would be like, "I am all in." Let's see what happens because I, I it's the world exploring that I've become yeah. more interested in, and it's like with Captain America. This is a good example. I love the Captain America movies. I'm sure I'll love the next movie, but it's sort of sad and limiting to me that the first movie's his origin, the second movie's Winter Soldier, the next movie's going to be Civil War or some weird adaptation of Civil War. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are, I realize that's the highlight reel, but I also keep thinking like, man, it would be great to explore some of the other stories, not not just those two ones that are that are hugely popular in the past decade, and then his origin. Yeah. You know, it would be it would be fun to explore like, some of Mark Wade stuff, or or you know the Captain America No More story where he became the Captain. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just
0: nomad. Yeah, and... the
1: nomad stuff. You know, just just or, or bring in the Taskmaster and and <laughs> and uh, so yeah, it's it's that kind of a thing where. If you have a TV show, then you can really delve into that, and you can play up the serialized nature of complex storytelling, which is what these characters were made for.
0: Yeah, and especially with TV getting as as you know more sophisticated as it is now, it's just like it's kind of like the best time to be doing that. Right. And uh, and unfortunately, I know you have to go, but uh, we'll have to have you back. I'll have to have you back on again, and then we'll just keep this conversation. Going. Sure. <laughs> it's like yay. Um, but before we go, uh, Alan, where can people find you uh, online and such? You can
1: find me on Twitter at SizzlerKistler.com. That's S-I-Z-Z-L-E-R-K-I-S-T-L-E-R. And uh, my website is AlanKistler.com. And, uh, and you're, yeah.
0: You're still uh, you're still uh, selling the book uh, Doctor Who History? I am.
1: This weekend I'll be selling it at BentCon. And, uh, yeah, I... Doctor Who history. If you if you buy more copies, there might be an expanded edition next year. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, we go. Okay. So yeah, check it out. Enjoy it. You can also get the ebook. It's at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, other booksellers.
0: Yay! Uh, and JP, where can where can people find you online? What are you doing?
2: Um, not much. But <laughs> you can find me on Twitter, J A P A D U A, and yeah i use it on occasion we'll go with yeah, that
0: it, every once in a while yes sure. uh we've got stuff coming down the pike don't worry like it's gonna happen folks um you heard it here first uh but anyway alan thank you so much for coming back uh technically yeah. uh this is, actually, this is actually your first appearance on that girl with the curls uh but we have talked to you before i'll explain it in the intro uh but thanks for thanks so much for coming back and uh it was great talking to you again
1: Thank you, you too.
0: And thanks for com- coming back, JP, one of my uh, rotating co hosts as well. So. <laughs> How do you
1: say that?